Hello and welcome to episode 190 of What Most People Think, and this is an early episode, this is going on. Uh, on Monday, you should be. Uh, this should be available on Monday, I'm recording this on Sunday morning because uh, I just had to catch up on one of the most fucking deranged few days in our public discourse in and around the uh, the situation with Gary Lineker, the BBC of Match of the Day. I mean, it's just, it's honestly... I mean, I'm going to get into it. There's a few people on Twitter going, we haven't really given an opinion yet. I was like, you know what? I've been doing social media long enough to realise when people have lost their fucking minds, right? <laughs> you know, the, the more times I see the word fascist, authoritarian, totalitarian, in and around a footballer being stood down from a, for a week from presenting a, a show, then I think that that is the time when you save your thoughts that you can actually deliver them in spoken words, so at the very least, if people are going to misconstrue you, they'll have to do it consciously. So, um, so we will be getting into that. Also, a little bit about the economic news, which sort of went under the radar uh, this week, and then we got an interesting letter. And so we are going to get into it uh, relatively quickly. We've got some new patrons to shout out. Now, remember, the Patreon is what keeps this. You'll notice there are no adverts uh, in this podcast, but by most podcasts, you'd probably have had what they call a pre-roll advert. So the moment you start it. There'd have just been some. Uh, there'd have just been some adverts some, for some weird product that you never see advertised on telly, <laughs> but you, you hear on podcasts and maybe sometimes on TikTok. It'd probably be something like called Bagmaster. <laughs> that does seem like a masturbatory aid, wouldn't it? Use the Bagmaster one thousand. Uh, no, Bagmaster would be. It'd be. It would try and get in to the sort of crevices of modern life. And so you know all those times where you go to the supermarket. And you haven't bought a bag with you, which for me is 95% of the time. And you buy a bag that you don't actually need. So at home, have you got loads of bags at home that you pay for but you don't need? What do you do with them? You don't want to put them in landfill and you can't possibly use them all within a lifetime. Bagmaster, Bagmaster, if you send us, if you register, we'll send you a bag to put all your unneeded bags in and we'll top up the cost of all the bags that you've bought and send you a fucking derisory payment in return. And then they'll have an image or um, then they'll like, have somebody just holding up loads of tenors. You know, you know those things. Do you remember there was a thing called Magpie, which is for all your old CDs and DVDs, and they just they always have to try and imply that you can literally get rich on this shit. Not that just like you can get rid of some stuff and you might un- end up with like seventeen quid and you don't have to go to the dump. They'll be like they'll have someone literally like booking a holiday at fucking Mexico. Um, so yeah, Bagmaster. And that is how I'm saving you from hearing adverts like Bagmaster. So if you believe in that, then you can sign up to the Patreon and immediately you'll get uh, any any Patreon will get access to watch uh, my last three stand up specials that that's available to stream straight away. You get and you get a shout out at the beginning of the show, which I'll do those now for new patrons. I don't think she's a new patron. Uh, Cherry, Sherry Warner, Cherry Warner. Uh, we, we have had the first of the month. So, of course, Patreon just uh, they, they're keeping me down at a level, Patreon. They don't want me to. They don't want me to get cocky, and I, I think that that's good. So every once in a while, they just decline payments. So if you if you are keen to keep getting the Patreon benefits, do check that your account is still active. Uh, we got Cameron Bradley. Cameron Bradley is from uh, New Zealand, and I can tell because of the currency that you paid in Cameron. Cameron Bradley, good guys, New Zealand, or as uh, some people call it, Diet Australia. I wasn't even doing a news. What's what's the word they can't say? Is they say their e's as eyes. So instead of saying sex, they say sucks. 
I had a sucks orgasms. <laughs> and Samuel James, Samuel James, you sound like a, a diarist from Edwardian England that just didn't really cut through. Big at the time, but hasn't really stood the test of time. Too much racism in Samuel James's diaries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people just looked at him going, God, you know, there's the Roald Dahl censoring, but then there's the stuff Samuel James wrote. We can't really, we can't really keep that in the library any longer. <clears throat> Domain talking point. So our super patron, David Domain, who's been with us since the start, and uh, he looks at the last week's podcast and, and picks things out of it. David is referring to an uh, appearance I made on Nick Dixon's podcast. And um, Nick w- was, you know, pretty downbeat about the prospects of Britain. And I, he asked me if I was optimistic about Britain. And, and of course I am. I do think that Britain will be all right in the long run. Of course it will. This is a great country. Okay. The fundamentals of Britain are great. It's, uh, it's got a great cult- culture, great history. It's very diverse. It's very dynamic. And, you know, despite what people think, the, the, it's a very liberal country. I know that no one thinks that in this week. It can't be liberal. Gary had to have a Saturday night off. Um, but it really is. And if you look at all the surveys about attitudes towards racial integration, homosexuality is an incredibly um, liberal country. But also, that's not. I'm not saying that that is all I like about it. I like our culture. I like our history. You know, I was talking, um, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I was writing something recently about, about like this idea that this country, you know, is we're all go. you know, anyone that voted leave or Tory is going around wishing that we could have a return of the days of the empire. And I, and I just don't think that's ever been true of anybody. I think that the formative national stories, you know, I did, I, I might've said this on the Constantine thing, but it's the blitz, isn't it? It's, it's withstanding the blitz. It's about bloody-mindedness. It's about stubbornness. It's Dunkirk. It's that, it's that last-minute equaliser mentality. Um, so I love that about this country. And I would say that, you know, I've travelled a little bit, a little bit enough to form a, a decent view of, of a lot of countries. And, and I would never live in another country, and that's no offence to them. I just I like it here. I mean, when it goes a bit mad like it did on the Gary Lineker thing, I, I must admit that's probably, that's probably a bit rich for my tastes. But overall, it's a great place to live. And as David points out, the UK still has the 18th highest standard of living in the world as per the Human Development uh, Index. I don't know, I mean, but 18, right? Yeah, 18, so we're supposed to be happy with that, are we? I don't know. What was it during the Blair years? 16th. Let's do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Um, The thank you is to feeling slightly better after weeks of having a cold. Um, so I had a cold and I obviously relayed that to the listeners repeatedly, which I think probably, you know, went down really well. And um, I mean, I've still got various other things happening, but just feeling a bit better, isn't it? That first day that you wake up with the old, what was that music they used to play? You know, when you wake up and you don't feel like some tragic old man living alone, like you don't feel like fucking Harold Steptoe. Um, (laughs) And then I just did an old man cough just to make that point. Right, a fuck you this week goes to uh, cashlessness. This cashless society is happening without really any recourse to the public. People have just made that decision. I'll tell you why it's pissed me off this week. It was because uh, I was in uh, London. I was doing some gigs uh, working up for the uh, work in progress leg, which starts in the spring. Uh, there's still a couple of days with tickets left for that, by the way. Um, Darwin up in Lancashire uh, and Aylesbury. They released something. I think there's about 20 left there. and Maybe there's one other one. Uh, with some dates left and then obviously the main tour uh, from September but what a terrible I mean yeah there's no advertising but there's there's Jeff advertising um but I was I was doing a gig I came I came upstairs to the green room after doing my set and I'd put my wallet in 
in my jacket, in the pocket of my jacket, and, and it wasn't there. And I was like, but uh, someone, someone's, immediately I was like, someone's fucking, someone's, someone's stake. I went totally straight away to conspiracy. It's been nicked. Not only that, someone's been staking out the green room for weeks. I mean, it's it very, I did, I did go very reactionary. This, what's going on with this country where a comedian can't leave his jacket? And then I was, I was just in the process of cancelling all my cards. Then when Ahir Shah, the other comic who was on, came back and just brandished my wallet, literally as I was cancelling my last card. And before I'd, and it was kind of funny because what happened was we both put our jackets on the same chair. We had the same looking jackets, so I'd put it in the wrong thing. But anyway, so I found myself on Saturday morning. I ended, ended up having to stay in London Friday night because of the train. So that was um, that was fun. And then as I was walking from uh, the hotel back to King's Cross to get the train home. So these trainers were digging into me. It got to a point it was so painful. I couldn't continue walking in them. I went into the tube station. Uh, none of my cards worked and I didn't have enough money to get um, a travel card. And it's, it's a very strange feeling in the modern world to not be able to do the things that you want to do. And um, I just imagine Lefty then, yeah, Jeff, yeah. And that is how a lot of people feel in Tory Britain. Um, and I was just like, fuck. So I, I, what, well, this is what I had to do. I had to take off my trainers and walk to King's Cross. A 25-minute walk in my socks and it was really cold and I just thought, fucking, this would be a really bad morning to get spotted by somebody, right? Somebody just photographs, is that that comedian off that thing? It just takes a photo of me going like, like I'm off my fucking nut, do you know what I mean? Because like, all you'd need to add to that to make it look like I'd gone completely insane was um, that I was shouting things. <laughs> Jeff, the comedian, Jeff Norcott, was seen, um, was seen shoeless and ranting and raving outside Holborn tube station on Saturday, early on Saturday morning. Those details alone are enough to make my agent get worried. All right, let's talk about the big international scandal, which is that a football guy couldn't do his show. Right, we might need to backtrack a little bit on this. So Gary Lineker, the host of Match of the Day for, uh, well, a quarter of a century now, um, while the football season's on, a weekly gig, sometimes twice weekly. So let's first up, let's have a knighthood for his fucking tax lawyer, eh? Let's have a knighthood for his tax lawyer that he is somehow still freelancing on that. <clears throat> I mean, I think that is, give me that guy's number. So we have, on the other hand, we have his uh, employer. Sorry, not employer. He's not, what, it's, what are you talking about? He's a freelancer. Freelancing. Quarter of a century. Um the BBC have this preference that we all know about, impartiality, and at the very least, at their, their biggest stars seem impartial. At the very, very least, don't start a shitstorm in and around comparing the government to uh, Nazi Germany. But, you know, despite the BBC talking about... I mean, you'll notice that people like Graham Norton and, and, and other uh, household, you know, marquee BBC names don't get involved with politics, right? There's a reason for that. But Gary's, Gary's carried on tweeting away, and maybe he's kind of like the exception that... He's allowed, you know, for whatever. He's Gary Lineker, you know. It's Gary, everybody. It's nice Gary. Good-looking Gary. Played for England. Um, and then the, then the government released this policy, right? So first up, this uh, on immigration. Now, this is what we should have been discussing this week. And there are elements of that policy which are, are, are controversial, right? They're not only controversial to people on the left or the lefty lawyers, whatever you want to call them. They're controversial to people who are pro-controls on immigration, right? Um, I saw the uh, the left-wing trade unionist Paul Embry said that he had issues with certain part of it, and he's certainly somebody that believes in controlling immigration. I do, for for that matter. There was this weird uh, thing where the government said that if, you, if you're trafficked here, um, you won't be allowed to take part in the government's slavery scheme, which I, first I'll give it another name, slavery scheme. 
It sounds like they're like being a YTS, doesn't it? Do you want to be a slave? Then sign up here. You get some great experience. You'll, you'll see lots of different countries, a lot of uh, air travel. Um, <clears throat> that's probably controversial itself. But hey, I'm not the host of Match of the Day. And and so, look, let's just say that, that it is controversial. But then Gary says, in an exchange with somebody on Twitter, he's already said that he thinks it's cruel and you've you know, criticised Suela Braverman. But he says that the government are using language not dissimilar to Germany in the 1930s, right? So for, he's being very cute there. That is a way of making a comparison with the, the Nazis. We all know what he's doing, but not dissimilar to Germany. Smart, right? Doesn't say the Nazis. So what was happening in Germany in the 1930s? What was happening, Gary? I can't remember. What was happening? What were the, the dominant political force uh, in Germany? It, it, it escapes my mind. <clears throat> I mean, first up, some of uh, my erstwhile colleagues have said that well, you know, I support him. He actually, he didn't go far enough. He didn't go for, well, sorry, he didn't go far enough in comparing a democratically elected government in a liberal democracy to an era where the Nazis came to power, where Jewish businesses were already being seized, trade unionists being outlawed, killed. It didn't go far enough. Didn't go far enough. Now, I wasn't offended by Gary's tweet. I just thought it was historically uh, illiterate. And straight away, I could see that for the BBC doing nothing, wasn't an option, right? How, how can you get your other household names to stay uh, stay in line when when one person is being continually let off, right? Do you remember, do you remember that, that that kid that the teacher was afraid of? Do you, remember, do you remember there was always a kid like that? I remember at my school, um, there was a lad, a very big lad, and uh, we, were in, we were in assembly and the head teacher was talking about something, you know, the usual thing that head teachers talk about, which was mainly being... Being, feeling gratitude that we had great lives and that there were kids in Africa. That was the, the standard sort of like left-wing Guardian readers, teachers. There are kids in Africa. They could have just got up and just said that. Kept it. Kids, uh, just a reminder that there are kids in Africa. Okay, go about your business. That was the standard assembly uh, in the 80s and early 90s. And um, I remember during one of them, uh, one of the lads said to a teacher, shut up, you mug, from the back of the assembly. And he, and he really freaked out. And he was like, who said that? Who said that? Okay, you cannot, you cannot speak to me like that. And then... Uh, and then Ben put his hand up <laughs> and uh, our head teacher was so pathetic. He went, <laughs> it's Ben, is it? Oh, Ben, he's oh, the banter lad, the banter man, Ben. Yeah, I don't mind a bit about back and forth because he was shit scared of him. Now, Gary Lineker, I, it clearly discussions were had in which they wanted him to apologise or delete. And I, I think that's one thing I do think was right. If Gary Lineker does not feel sorry and doesn't think he's done anything wrong, then he should not say sorry because that's how... Um, you know, you don't want him saying the old bullshit that you get when people are pretending to be sorry. I've had um, time to reflect. You go, oh, here we go. Time to reflect means that my lawyers, I've been in meetings with my employer. for Sorry, not his employer. He's freelance. He's, you know, just casual working relationship for 25 years. Um, and <clears throat> this has been a real learning experience for me. You know, when they say all that. And the thing I've learned is to just keep my fucking head down in future. That's what I say. And uh, not say what I think. So so I don't think he should say sorry um, if he's not sorry. Because this is how cancel culture starts, right? And then, of course, what we've had now is you have one of those moments where everyone flips to the other side. So we've spoke about cancel culture for a while. The idea that the consequences for stepping out of line are have become in many senses, disproportionate, or for saying things that aren't deemed acceptable by one group. Um, so that's good, right? Finally, people have accepted that cancel culture is a thing. That's a start. But to suddenly say, well, where are all the cancel culture cunts now? 
Well, if the point at which you join this fight is defending the highest paid star at the BBC, I am going to say maybe you're not that serious about it in the first place. I'm going to say that maybe the driving force behind you finally believing in cancel, cancel culture is that you just really don't like the Tories. Because there have been, you know, been so many examples of cancel culture where the, where the liberal left have said pretty much fuck all. Um, you know, the teacher in Batley or women uh, with gender critical views who've had heavy workplace consequences for expressing those go- those views. But no, no, when it, yeah, the, when I joined the fight was when the guy who introduces goal of the month was sent to the gulags. And then, of course, it, yeah, Friday it escalated, didn't it? Lineker's stepping back. He's stepping back, which is uh, corporate speak for suspended, right? Now, I think in the grand scheme of things, right, Lineker's not going to say he's sorry. The BBC can't do nothing. Maybe just one week in the sin bin is a compromised position, actually. Just go, all right. We have to do something. Could you just step back for a week? This will probably blow over a bit unless let's regroup, right? There has to be some sort of uh, there has to be some sort of outcome for what you've said. And we should say, just so I'm not coming over as completely one-sided here, is that uh, it's tricky for the BBC, isn't it? If you think with the Richard Sharp affair, you know, setting up loans for Boris, uh, then you think, you know, there's a fair in terms of consistency of applying the impartiality rules, Alan Sugar. You know, I guess he's not on the BBC as much as uh, Lineker. But yeah, he certainly literally advised people not to vote uh, for Corbyn. You know, then a lot of people quote Andrew Neil. So th- that that charge, I think, lands that there's certainly an issue around the consistency of, of how the BBC's impartiality rules have been applied. But also having said that, none of them... I mean, when, when um, Sugar criticised Corbyn, he didn't say... He's like, he's a Nazi, basically. You know, no, I don't think anyone's gone this far before. So the BBC make their decision and people lose their minds. I mean, this is, this is fascism now. Gary is a political prisoner. It's all got, I mean, I I haven't checked, but um, probably somebody's done a Che Guevara type image of Gary Lineker's face. Fatboy Slim then includes him in a montage of great civil rights campaigners, including Greta Thunberg. I mean, that was just, I, I laughed my bollocks off when I saw that. I think it was like Prince, some other civil rights campaigner, Greta Thunberg, and then Gary Lineker's face. I, I honestly thought of, at first that somebody had superimposed it for a laugh. And then all the hyperbole got out of hand. You had some of the most terrible takes that I've seen on social media. And by the way, I, I make, no mis- make no apologies for um, this being heavily about social media because that is where this story has sort of found its feet. This is where the fame, flames have been found and this is why it's become a national story because of the degree to which social media has gone to town on this. Um, Gary Neville, of course, blamed Boris Johnson, which seems fair. And then and then we were subjected to um, Alastair Campbell being interviewed on various broadcasters talking about how terrible it is when the government pressurise a national broadcaster. And again, I will say this, the only explanation for Alistair Campbell is that he's forgotten he was Alistair Campbell. Just doesn't remember. Just doesn't remember. You know, every once in a while, just maybe he needs like an advisor going, hey, um, Alistair Campbell, do you, do you know you were you? Do you, remember, do you remember that? You know the thick of it? You know Malcolm Tucker? That was based on you. That You know that sweary, unpleasant person that bullied the fuck out of both politicians, civil servants and the press? That was you. What most people think. And then once we get the announcement that Shearer is stepping back in inverted commas, uh, Alan Shearer says that he's not going to be doing match a day, right? England's greatest striker, in inverted commas. Uh, Ian Wright says he's not doing it either. And immediately you've got the, ri- the richest picket line in history. 
Um, I don't know, you know, you know, like you had those old images of the miners standing around the little coal fires and people taking them food. I think that I, d- I don't know what the food would be for those lads. Maybe it'd be like a delivery from Nobu or something, just trying to keep them going. You know, honk your horns for for the millionaires. I'm not saying that the millionaire, the fact they're millionaires, means that they can't show solidarity, but it's just something slightly incongruous about it. Uh, then Michael Richards pulls out. He wasn't even in, but he just said, I'm not a match of the day, but just so you know, if I was, I, w- I wouldn't. Um, then the host of Football Focus, final score, Jason Mohammed, the guy who does the weather on Radio Kent, he's pulled out. The woman who does slate, steak slices, half-time at Burnley, she's not doing it. Ball boys, they're not going to be any part of this. I mean, the fact that Alex Scott had pulled out of Football Focus was the lead story on the BBC News at one point yesterday. There was It's the lead fucking story. This is the BBC News. Alex Scott has pulled out of hosting Football Focus. You're like, this has gone so mad. It's so mad. And then there was a report on BBC Evening News yesterday that sort of described everything that had been happening and said, despite the controversy, today's football matches did go ahead. Why would they not go ahead? You navel-gazing psychopaths. There is no way in the world that football matches should ever have been jeopardised. I mean, at the very most, it's those fucking anodyne post-match interviews that we don't get to find out. God, I mean, we're all... We're all stars for cliches this week, aren't they? I mean, who's over the moon? The lads are like, you know, I have no idea. And it is weird. It is weird. I mean, this is a little bit of what about Bowery, but do indulge, indulge me. That, you know, not a single high-profile broadcaster refused the trip to Qatar for human rights reasons, right? That just sticks in the fucking craw a little bit, doesn't it? There was lots and lots of reasons to not be there, whether it's LGBT rights or worker rights or human rights issues but they all got on that fucking plane didn't they but they're not going to present football focus i'll tell you that (laughs) and another thing that um it did make me think was that the status of punditry in this country has probably got a little bit inflated now um i think the match of the day without music or any commentators or any punditry i'm not going to sit here i mean it would be easy just to troll a certain kind of person to say i actually preferred it I, i don't think it it's the way forward so it should be said that the uh, the viewing figures did come in for match of the day and it was half a million higher than it had been, I think, the previous week. And which is fairly funny, isn't it? I mean, if you think that with all the online social media support that the, the strikers, eh? Up the workers, right? Up the workers uh, had been getting from social media that, that actually more people tuned in. If I'm honest, as much as I want to be mischievous, I think that the reasons for that are quite nuanced and complicated. I think one... Would have been people just being curious to see how they did it without uh, any of the normal stuff that makes it. No music, no presenters, um, no... It was sort of like a, a sort of Ryanair type match of the day, wasn't it? We'll just strip it all back to the absolute basic nine ninety nine a seat. Uh, and then there would have been people that would have just been tuning in because pub, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? You just hear match of the day all, day, all week, you know, or certainly for a 48-hour period there's an increased likelihood that you'll turn on to it. And maybe some people don't like all the punditry, or maybe some people do find uh, Gary Lineker irritating. So I'm applying a bit of nuance to that as much as I might want to slightly enjoy it on a mischievous level. But it should be said that if it had been the other way, uh, if there'd been half a million less people tuning in, all of the you know swathes of left-leaning uh, progressives on social media would have completely taken that as validation that the British public are squarely behind. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Lineker you know they've sort of said well, half a million more it means nothing but yeah if it had been the other way would you have said that that meant nothing probably not so it's fine as long as you're consistent one thing it did make me think was about punditry itself is, is it's become 
a very inf- its its status has become vastly inflated, hasn't it? We, you know, if we think we watch football once upon a time, they'd have a bit of chat about the game. But there's so much swagger and ego knocking around these studios now. So much money as well, and 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 it's become part of the show. So you tune in. Or I mean, I don't know. Are there people out there that are really tuning in, going fucking hell? I can't can't wait to can't wait to hear what Gary Neville thinks about United playing three at the back. Um, or the weird sitcom character that Roy Keane's become, you know, or, or will will Jamie and Graham Sooness, will they square off again? I don't know. Maybe this stuff is popular and perhaps the status of punditry is because footballers themselves are way less charismatic and interesting than they were. They've sort of gone, all right, 90s footballers were a laugh and they had the chat. Modern footballers, they come out with a pair of Dr. Dre Beats headphones on and they look like they've just come out of a seminar at media schools. And, you know, a lot of this whole thing was a kind of catnip for a certain kind of... Uh, I saw one very sort of re- remainery left-wing... What's the word? Tofu-eating wokarate? That's, that's the uh, that's the cliched one, isn't it? That's now become like a standard phrase. Uh, and she said that anyone that, that kind of presents for BBC over the weekend is a scab. I thought, yeah, I get why this would be really exciting for you because the, you get to feel like you're on a virtual picket line now, right? You're not. You're probably sitting in the downstairs toilet of your nice house, just tweeting while you're having a piss. But you're part of the resistance, right? You're Mick lynching the fuck out of this, calling people scabs. I mean, the scab insult, I've always thought, is an interesting one, isn't it? I can see the value to trade unions of holding the line and presenting a united front. But what scab also implies is that you're a traitor. What if you really don't agree with the action being taken? I would imagine that among those commentators and among all those presenters, there were probably quite a few of them that thought, um, yeah, I don't think he should have said that. <laughs> but that's the, 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 the hell that would be unleashed into your life by breaking that line means that, means that you sort of fall into line. But, I mean, yeah, I mean look, just, by, just to be clear now, if this was a comedian's thing and all other, there, was a, there was an expression issue, I would always come down on the sides of comedians. But what I, what I don't take it to mean is that every single person that refused to be on air 100% agree with, with what Gary Lineker said or, or how he said it. But look, let's get this back to what most people think when it comes to the issue of um, Gary Lineker. Is the, and, and there was an interesting tweet by Ben Walker from Britain Elects, and he broke it down into four points. Most people think that the BBC are in the wrong over suspending Gary Lineker. Most people think, point two, that it's not acceptable to compare government policy with that of the Nazis. Most people think, point three, that they support sports correspondents promoting their own politics on their own personal channels. So maybe this is where I'm at odds slightly with the public. The pub- I, I think that the BBC do have a need for their, their biggest paid star to just be mindful of things, but the public... Uh, maybe see a difference between being involved in news and sport and maybe they don't think that people outside of news should be stopped from um, tweeting partial opinions, right? So that's what the British public think. And the final point is the British public are, as a majority, in favour of stopping the boats, right? So what's interesting about that, I think, is that that is a nuanced view, isn't it? That is a nuanced view. And wouldn't that be a shock, wasn't it, when you get get the, the, the sort of rabid kind of progressive forces on Twitter and then you get the BBC which may have overreacted in this instance the British public God bless the British public of as a majority in terms of majorities hold what would seem to be a nuanced view so what I hope is that the BBC have made their point right I mean in a way they've taken a lot of shit but 
Will Gary Lineker think twice before comparing things to authoritarian regimes of the past? Maybe, maybe all he'll do now is he'll just spread it around a bit, maybe. Just to show balance, he'll compare it to Stalinist Russia, which no one ever does. Or, you know, if you're talking about hostility to foreign nationals, how about Uganda? Uganda's a great one. Your man Idi Amin, last king of Scotland. Let's just, instead of, here's the thing we should do. And as, a, as an act of respect to the Jewish community, let's just vary the fucking totalitarian regimes that we use as our analogy of choice. Okay, just a quick hype here. Before we do that, I have asked for people who are patrons who haven't had this shout out to get in touch and let me know. And we have two of those here. Uh, Oliver Rogers. Oliver Rogers. Oliver, does he? I, Oliver Rogers. Ollie Rog. Ollie Rog, you are such a rugger bugger, Oliver, aren't you? You love a bit of rugby. Take your daddy issues down the rugby pitch and you just hug other men for 80 minutes. That's what rugby is to me. It's just an excuse to hug. Uh, we've also got Gareth Eggle. Gareth Eggle. Eggle. Gareth Eggle. I'm going to imagine with a surname like that, Gareth, that primary school wasn't, wasn't straightforward, right? With all the old-fashioned surnames, Smith, Robinson, Davis, Eggle. Everyone's just giggling. Every time, just Eggle, just because just it's it's a silly sounding name, Eggle, Eggle, Gareth Eggle, yeah, correct, I bet, I bet none of the banter was really up to scratch either, because it doesn't rhyme with anything, just, yeah, boiling egg, boiler, boiling Eggle, I bet you had some really terrible nicknames, Easter, maybe that was your nickname, yes, Easter Eggle, <laughs> Easter Eggle Hunt, cunt, um, sorry, I'm going to leave that one in. So um, just a reminder that the tour shows now, so the ones that are pretty much sold out, Leamington Spa, I think there's a couple of single tickets left, Saffron Walden, same deal, uh, London Leicester Square, I think there's about six or seven left, um, Colchester I think might be sold out, but you can check, but that, the point is, is that if you're coming to ones, particularly uh, in the autumn, particularly in the early bit of the autumn, just just buy them now, don't be an idiot. And because some of them will sell out, like Bristol's another one. Bristol, I think we are almost um, sold out there. So uh, um, I am in the process. And like I say, there are if you, if you want to come to some of the work in progress dates, have a look. If you just go on the the link at Live Nation, there are the earlier dates there, and there are some tickets left uh, for that. Okay, let's have a quick um, chat about the the surprisingly good news in the British economy. Um, obviously, I'll have to keep this one brief because, um, you know, the big news, obviously, is the, the football presenter that couldn't present the thing. But uh, the economy, we'll, we'll have to make some space for it, shall we? And the news came out this week that the economy had grown. Surprising pundits. I mean, the economy often seems to surprise pundits. But, um, but yes, compared to December, there was 0.3% growth uh, in January, right? And there were factors. There are always factors, aren't there? Uh, there's a reason why this surprised the pundits, but the pound did rise, so that suggests it was a genuine surprise. And and so many institutions have to uh, chime in and tell you that why they were wrong. Uh, it's actually because of um, kids went back to school and the trains were running. Okay, isn't that your job to fucking factor that shit in in the first place, right? There were still train train strikes in January, early January, anyway. And and how many curly whirlies do kids buy, by the way? Just how much of a factor does kids going to school? have i mean come, the kids with kids went back to school didn't they kids went back to school yeah that that that's happened before in january um but uh but when it, one of the weird thing is this month on month reporting on gdp that wasn't a thing before but i guess what with the advent of rolling news and social media people are digging down into whatever they can like ever before to try and um 
to try and prove their point. There are two things that are interesting about this. First up, this information was tweeted by Lee Anderson, and he said um, the economy grew in January, and you won't hear about this in the mainstream media. Now, uh, what he did do was he included a screenshot of this being reported in the mainstream media in the Times. Now, because Twitter is largely driven by middle-aged centre-left men who wish to feel intellectually superior despite their mediocre levels of intelligence they immediately saw this this kind of contradiction in terms they thought ha ha i shall share this i shall share this lee anderson he's the, the 30p lee i hate him and this will make me look more clever and this will make lee look more stupid i shall share he said that it's not in the mainstream media but look it's in screen as in the mainstream media i am so observant so he shares this and then um now, I can't say if the plan was a bit of evil genius there, but if if they factored that in, knowing the amount of people, because what they want is the information to get out that the economy is performing better than expected or uh, predicted, right? So if someone has sat down and I, I want to work with this person, whoever it is that advised Lee Anderson or whether it's Lee Anderson himself, to, to put these two things together as a guaranteed way of getting the information out there, that is you should be working in advertising. Whatever they're paying you in politics isn't enough. Um, it's, it's so smart, isn't it? Because when you're working class, you can you can game the system a bit. There's a certain kind of person that they presume their intellectual superiority. So sometimes you can parlay that for your own ends. I mean, I'll give you an example on a personal level. I did a tweet about uh, the fact that uh, a number of my venues were now 80% sold. And a genuine typo, I missed out the word, the letter S on sold. And I, um, I tweeted it, and then I immediately noticed that it said 80% old. And I thought... Do you know what? I'll let that stand. I'll let that stand because I knew what would happen was in no, no, in no time at all, there'd be loads, loads of people that A, notice it because they love noticing that. It's like the same people if you do a screenshot of uh, your phone and you've only got one bar battery. You know, the people that just want, uh, you want to get that charge, mate. And um, and, and then, then, of course, I knew that there would be the people that, that think that my audience is, I don't know, either sort of all Brexit-y or all right-wing knuckle cave-dragging fucking Neanderthals. Um, and they want to point out, oh, I bet your audience are 80% old. What are your, what are your views? They're almost falling over themselves to tweet and quote tweet and reply this. And, what, and the net effect of that was, was a, you know, a promo tweet like that would normally be seen by about 5,000 people and it was seen by 50,000. Um, so viral marketing works. And if that was what Lee Anderson did, fair play to him. And remember that we were told most of the last year, right, that the economy... Uh, been crashed, you know. The, the the conservatives have crashed. The the Tory economy. Crashed. They were Labour were trying so many ways of like getting this in the idea, this idea in people's noggins. The the Tories have crashed. They just don't forget the Tories crashed the economy. Yeah, kid, we were we were talking about your favourite dessert, but the Tories crashed my frangipan. I mean, look, the Tories may the Tories' actions or Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng might have spiked our mortgage. But it doesn't seem that the crash in the economy that was anticipated actually happened. So Labour might need a new phrase. But the problem is it'll be it'll be a little bit bland, won't it? The Tories have slightly flatlined the economy. <laughs> it's just not as punchy as it has crashed the economy. And then we had that. So we were told a lot of last year that that, um, like, that 2022 would be a year of recession and it, and it didn't happen. So then well, they, they sort of uh, kicked it forward into 2023. The IMF forecast that uh, there was going to be a slight contraction across the year. And then this projection, by the way, was uh, parlayed as proof that Brexit was bad. The Tories were bad. GB News is bad. Nigel Farage should be deported. 
anyone who goes to Weatherspoon should be on a watch list. You know, it was used for all sorts of reasons. And it just seems like, and it's early days, right? It's only January. It could change in February and March and across the year. But just the first sign is a positive one. And I I just, again, it goes back to this, this, this discussion which, with Phil Wang, which really stuck in my brain, which is that we've got to let people know the good news as well. If we've spent most of like a seven-month period telling people the economy's going to contract, when it doesn't contract, we need to tell them because these things have an impact on consumer confidence. Because if you hear the economy's going to contract, what you're saying is, I'm going to be poorer. If you think I'm going to be poorer, you're going to spend less, right? So consumer confidence is a valid metric. Just, just throw a party. Just go, you know what? Good news, everybody. <laughs> Good news. The economy wasn't as shit as we thought. But even in the first paragraph of the story on BBC Business, it was like the economy grew by a but, but it's only because kids went back to school. That's all it is. And it's only because of the train. So, so don't get too, because you would, God forbid, God forbid we could have a moment of fucking optimism. Okay, we've got time for a letter, a relationship problem, which we haven't had for a while. By the way, if anything I've said here you want to come back to me on, email whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And I do love talking about people's uh, uh, relationship issues. This is from Tim, who doesn't tell us where he's from, but he said, well, probably you'll, you'll, you'll realise very shortly why. Uh, I was away for the weekend and my wife decorated the downstairs bathroom. Good for her. I mean, she's she trying to emasculate you there? Fucking decorating on her own? Women are out of control in this country, I'll tell you that much. Um, I fucking hate the wallpaper. Uh, I want to tell her, but I'm also not willing to go the distance on the ensuing row. What should I do? Well, I think you've answered your own question there, Tim. This is, this is, this is like, you know, this is like the Western Russia, isn't it? How far are you going to go, Tim? Are you going to launch the weapons of mass destruction? You're probably not. Maybe don't start the war in the first place. The downstairs bathroom. Look, try and look at the positives. You've got a downstairs bathroom, okay? Um, it is how horrific. I need. Uh, I mean, she's done wallpaper. Wallpaper, hanging wallpaper is a skilled thing, and I'm not. This isn't a gender thing. I'm just wondering how well she's done the job there. That could be maybe where you've got a little bit of wiggle room. You say, babe, I love what you've done. I, you know, also you. I was away for the weekend. Where were you away, Tim? Were you lodging it up with the lads? Have you had one of those? If you had a start to the year where you've actually done quite a lot of social stuff, that's another thing that might put you on the back foot there, Tim. You're, you're coming at this very much, very much on the back foot. You, I was away for the weekend, so you've come back, hung over, stinking a curry, and your wife's actually done something, right? And she's obviously hoped that you were going to like it. Uh, and you want to tell her she's hung the wallpaper. Um, yeah, and look, and don't go through the DEFCONs unless you're willing to launch a missile. <laughs> That would be my advice. Just fucking, just, you've got a war game this and go, where am I willing to take this? Am I willing to sleep in the spare room for the sake of the wallpaper in the downstairs room? Just, Kate, do, do the covert stuff, right? So if in any military conflict, you're on the back foot, then you have to go to covert operations. And you know what the covert operation is? Is to get, next time, here's the, here's the play, Tim. Next time one of your friends comes around with a very small child, Give them some fucking felt tips. And I'm talking about a kid that you couldn't be angry with. Point them in the direction of the toilet and just say, hey, live your best life. Okay, so that is the end for this week's podcast. We're going to read out some iTunes reviews here. Haven't read out these for a while, so this is always a fucking lottery because I rarely check. But if you leave me a five-star review on um, 
or review on iTunes. I will read it out, possibly in a stupid accent. This is Roy Burdett. Roy Burdett. He sounds like he sounds like um, you know, CID from the nineteen seventies. I've listened to Jeff for a while. I look forward to his podcast every week. He's insightful, but genuinely honest, with a slight right leaning, which is right up my street. Cheers, Roy Burdett. Uh, this is from Dave Kosh. Dave Kosh, I mean, fuck, that sounds fairly cockney as well. A thought-provoking and hilarious podcast. I've been listening to this podcast from day one. Maybe since you were born. So it was only started, so you're four years old. Dave Kosh is four years old, and he's... Speaks like he's been smoking 90 a day. Uh, Nottingham needs Jeff. Uh, constantly, not, I, can't, I can't do the fucking Nottingham accent. It's so difficult. The only bit I can get is when they say yesterday, they've got a weird lilt in the East Midlands. Uh, constantly great guests, very educational as well as funny, but still no Nottingham date. We are working on it. Um, and this is uh, this is the last one for this week. This is Steve, Steve Chiefy. Steve Chiefy sounds like he might be a scouser. Um, supposed to be a bit right of centre, but in my view, he's just saying as the show title indicates what most people think. I've recommended to about 10 people, all of whom who love the show, and they're going to go and see the tour. Thank you very much. Uh, great guests, honest balance grown up and very funny chats and monologues. Pretty good with accents and impressions too. Keir Starmer being a, a favourite. Well, look, that is a very nice thing to say, Steve Chief. And look, just let the ambition, the ambition going forward is to do more Keir Starmer accents. Mine will never be as good as Matt Ford's, but that's not going to stop me trying. Podcast. 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 Podcast.